to Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. We ready to hear your story. Tell us your name. And then you can get into your story. My name, my name is Dennis Dandre. I came, I, I came down here to visit with my grandma. But my, my dad sent me down here to visit town with my grandmother because she was about to pass. Mm-hmm. But I got picked up on a charge that I didn't do. And they forced, they forced me to plead guilty to this crime. Threatened me with my life saying if I don't plead guilty or or say what they or say what they want me to say. They were gonna kill me with the death sentence. I was only seventeen at the time. Oh, so you so was a minor. I called my dad. Huh? You was a minor at the time. Ma'am. You was a minor. Yeah, I was a minor. Yes. But I ain't found out. He sent me to Dorothy Ditch. But I didn't find out about twenty twenty one that you said it came back back then and I had a mind of a five-year-old child. And all this was all this was documented and my lawyer knew this, but he didn't even send it. He didn't even try to help. Wow. He said, if I take this life sentence, if I take this life sentence, I'll be out when I turn 21. If I don't take it, they're going to give me death sentence and kill me. Now the charge is the rape charge. The evidence they said they had was destroyed April 24th of 1981. That's the day of the crime. The woman said she went home and took a shower. Mm-hmm. Then said he was raped by me. Well, how did they, they get your no description? Uh, well, some dude named Tracy Keith I was messing with down here. That's the only one I could think of, but in my indictment, it says a dude named Craig Cook. I don't know him. So and Craig Cook was the one. So he was, okay, so was he supposed to be an eyewitness, or is that supposed to have been somebody that she told that she was raped to? That's a state witness. That's when the state said that I've talked to and told him about this white woman, and I don't even know this dude. I have never met this dude in my life. Well, did they have a photo of you? Like, back then, were they doing photo lineups? Like, how did they... I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out they how had, did they get you? Like, how did they get your picture? Because, you know, usually they do a photo lineup and have the victim pick out who it is in the lineup. They had a, they had a sketch of me. Well, it wasn't you, I but mean, they had a sketch somebody, of a black male, right? It wasn't you, but a sketch of a black male. A black male with, with an afro. I didn't have an afro. Black male had a little mustache. I didn't have a mustache. And I wouldn't be like 5'5". Five, five. They said this dude like 5'7". That I don't fit this picture. And you wasn't even here. Were you in the? Were you in North Carolina at the time of the crime? Or supposedly the time that the crime took place, or were you in a different state? 
I was in this state. I came down here. It happened. It happened in April, a, a week before a week before Easter. But it's a place called the Wichita Mall that all the teenager people hang out at. That's where they picked me up at. That's where I was at when they picked me up. Was hanging out at, at the first, mall. First, I thought it was something. Yeah, I hang out in the game room. At first, I thought it was something that happened up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. But, but when I called my dad, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I think something happened up in New Jersey. They want me back in New Jersey. But it ain't had nothing to do with New Jersey. Wow. So you get you get so you had a public defender or a paid attorney? I had a I had a public defender. I do her name was William William Lamb. But the the bad part is I just went back to court July twenty first, July two thousand twenty one, on July the ninth, I just went back to court. On this trying to get back in court and get it case vacated. So they went to the the prosecutor went to this woman and asked so she's still living and asked this woman about this crime and she told him she don't know what he was talking about. Oh wow. What so county was this? Judges, Cleveland County, Shelby. That explains it. So she she basically says she didn't know. So how did they press charges if she not did she report the crime? the crime, but she didn't have no evidence. She said she took a shower. Then exploited the crime that she was raped. So there was no semen evidence she, at all? No nothing. No nothing. So they were just but going off go of her word? On her word. But he going to kick her. She said I drove her car with her in the car. Ma'am, I have never drove a car in my life. I don't even know how to drive a car. Okay, so first of all, you were convicted off of no DNA evidence. You were basically convicted off of, it sounds like hearsay more than anything. And then when you go back to court and they go interview her, she don't even remember what she told the police that night. Was she even actually raped? I don't think she was. I don't, I, 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 honestly, I don't think she was. Wow. My my question is, she said she was at the Wilson Mall. This woman, 27 years old, the Wilson Stop Mall is for teenagers. What are you doing at that mall at 27 years old? Right. Even if she was actually even at that mall. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, that, that's, that's what I don't get. So you've been incarcerated yeah. since 19 what? 81. So you've spent decades in prison. Can you kind of talk to us about how that's been, being in prison for that for long and, and missing a lot, a lot, a lot? Oh, yeah. I can, I mean, if you want to, yeah, I can tell you, I mean, it was it was hard. I mean, I got through it, you know, I got prayed about it, you know what I'm saying? God help me with it. But it's been hard in here. I've been... When I first came, I didn't have nobody. I didn't know nobody. And they told me, they said, I don't get out of prison until the year 2004. And this was 1981. And I didn't, just didn't sound right. And I just said, well, but now 
I'm going to try to, if somebody try to hurt me, I'm going to try to hurt them before they hurt me. And I just got a lot of charges. And then, but, I mean, it's been a rough, it's been a, it's been a rough road. Don't get me wrong. It's been rough. Yeah, I, I, I can I believe can blame, it. I can blame myself mostly because I could have got out. You know what I mean? But I was just got caught up. They, 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 they lied to me anyway. That they, they already fussed me out, fussed me off.
who just became, because they were black, they became a suspect automatic. And, and that's how it goes in the black. Then the prosecutor, he told the judge that I ain't got no, all the evidence they said they had. They didn't have no evidence now. All the evidence has been destroyed. They don't have anything. They don't have no, they don't, I mean, they don't have nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, after 15 I years, know. they destroyed the evidence. So, you know. But they probably didn't have no evidence in in the get go to even convict you. That's the thing is I don't even think they had evidence in the first place, and so that was wrong for your attorney not to advocate on your behalf of you being innocent, especially you being a child. You yeah, the prosecutor told the judge that he didn't have no evidence to trial his case. He said, "By the way, I think this man did much more time, and he should have done turn him loose." And the judge turned me down. The only reason why he turned me down was saying that I was acknowledged enough to know what I was doing back in 1981 when I took the plea. No, nobody knows anything about law. That is why you have representation. The representation understands the law, and they are supposed to represent you because you don't understand that. And if you had an IQ... And they have evidence of you having an IQ of a five-year-old. There's no way in the world that you even understood your plea agreement. There's no way that you understood beyond a reasonable doubt of what they were saying to you when they were reading off of that plea agreement. And your lawyer knew that. Like, I don't understand why they think. I wish those people could go to prison because you are doing harm to somebody just to have somebody incarcerated because of their color and because you want to slave them out. This is a true example of slavery, like a real true example of slavery to have somebody in prison for 43 years, knowing they didn't commit a crime, tell you that you could have got out in 91 and you've been sitting here since 81 and then told you you could get out in 2004 and you still sitting in there and it's 2023 this is what people have to deal with on a daily y'all i want y'all to understand that prison will never ever be the answer the courthouses judges prosecutors will never be the answer because they are not doing right by people at all like this man has spent 43 years in prison for something he did not do on top of having an iq of at that time, a five-year-old, I don't know what your IQ is now, but still, like, that's crazy. Okay, I tested it then. I, I tested it, and uh, when I turned 22 years old, I tested that I was my, I was in prison now, like, like seven years. I tested again, and it came back that I was 22, but my mind was a 12-year-old. So mm-hmm. I was still growing. As a child, but my body was growing faster than me mentally. So basically, yeah. I was... Your body grew, body. but your mind wasn't where it was supposed to be. Like, your mind wasn't with your body, basically. Yes, ma'am. That's it. And so, how old are you now, if you don't mind sharing? I'm 59. So you're 59, so that means... But I don't... You might have a mind of maybe an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, maybe? 20? Yes, ma'am. If you, if you ask your husband, he would tell you, by looking at me and studying me, he would never thought that I've been in prison for 43 years because I run around and act like 
I'm a teenager. Mentally, that's what I'm thinking. But physically, my body is older. Right. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't that's how I look at it. I mean, I, I, I think I'm young. I got full of energy. But I'm your not body nothing. My body gets older. I'm a diabetic now, though. I got that since I turned 50. I got that from my mother. So let me ask you this. How do you think, like, what do you think is going to be your biggest challenge out here if you feel like you're still not at a 59-year-old mind frame? How do you, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge when you are let go? Communicate, trying to communicate with the, with the Kiroc Society. Yeah, I can see that. I think, I think communication, trying to, understand what's really going on out there by me being gone so long. Do you think you'll be able to? Well, you talking about calling with a female? Anybody, female, friends? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can build a relationship with my family, my friends, maybe with a female. I think I can do that, but bother me getting out, walking out, and being around people in the world. I ain't been around so long. I think that was right there. Was, that scares me the most. And by me watching watching news on TV and the killing is going on, I don't even think I want to leave the house. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's, it's, real, it's, it's gotten dangerous out here. And what about technology because everything is is driven by technology like you know we don't write checks anymore we use debit cards and you know everything is online and cell phones everything is touch screen and like even the stores are touch screen you don't really have you know when you used to go check out you had somebody checking you out now you check your own self out so how do you think that that will affect you just trying to do everyday tasks with it being so technology driven so I'm gonna be lost with that, with that, in that, in that era, because I never use it. I never use the phones or all that touch me. So I wouldn't know how to work unless someone showed me how to do it. Right. Yeah. Once I get the hangers, I'm probably sure I probably blend on in with it. But that's gonna be my big. That, I think that's gonna be my biggest challenge: trying to get out there and trying to adapt to society by being away so long. I believe I can do it, though. Yeah, you can do it. I mean, it's going to be flushed assistance, which I, I, I hope that you could find, you know, some type of reentry assistance that could help you get accommodated and acclimated with, you know, society now. Because, like I said, it's real different from when you first went in than to what it is now. So, yeah, I think you can. What about work? How, how are you feeling about working, trying to find a job at 59 well, years old? Well, I think I could do anything. I, I Well, I took some courses up in here that I wanted to get out and try to try on my own, like commercial cleaning. I took cab drafting. I took how to make a floor mat with a build a building. I can tell you how to build a building. I can make, I can see the whole floor mat on how, I can make, how you can build your building. I took commercial art. I can draw. It's something that I took in here that I, I want to get out there and try to use it. I want to open up a business, a commercial cleaning business. I got the, I'm had the money to do it. 
my mom lets me look into the money when she's mad. So I have something to go out there with. I think that would be great. I, I think working for yourself is is perfect because a lot of people who are formerly incarcerated have a hard time finding a job. And especially if you've been incarcerated for 40 some years, you know, you don't have any work experience. And sometimes people, you know, a lot of times, even if you haven't, if you've had some work experience, they still don't want to hire you. So I think that it would be good for you to try to, you know, start your own business. I might be able to put you in contact with a few people they can help you with that so you can get that started because you want your own income. You don't want to have to work up under nobody and have a boss telling you what to do. And, you know, it's just better to work on your own, to work, be your own boss. Can I ask you something? Yeah. If you was in my shoes, if you was in my shoes and you was getting out, what would you do? If I was in your shoes and I was getting out, I would definitely have a business plan of how I'm going to start my own business. I wouldn't depend on trying to find an employer to hire me, especially being the fact that I haven't been out in society for 40-something years. So I would definitely, that would be my first thing, is definitely trying to get my own business started and trying to find somewhere stable, a stable housing, because I know sometimes it can be hard to find stable housing, but Definitely the first two things I would do would find stable housing and definitely try to start my own business. That way you got your own income coming in. And then you can hire some people up under you. Maybe maybe the first few months it might just be you doing the job. And then you can start getting some help or getting some younger guys who are younger than you to volunteer and help. But that would be what I would look to do is to try to start my own business. Yeah, that was, that was, that was thinking about doing you. You nailed it. That's what I was thinking about doing when I got out. But I'm, you know, you, I'm, I'm gonna need some help though. I'm gonna need some help in that area. But I got a brother out there. He's he doing. He's trying to help me. He's trying to get me to come and stay with him. He got a big old house. He want me to come and stay with him. But I might stay with him for a while. But I, I don't think I want to be up in his household either. Yeah, want to be able to. If he's offering you that somewhere to stay, I would, you know, definitely take that offer and just you know, work on trying to get your business started and then you can get your own, you know, you can get your own place. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's good that you have the option because some people come home, come out, they don't even have an option to have anywhere to stay. And so I'm glad that you do have that support that he's going to, you know, he's willing to let you stay with him. But yeah, I feel you. I wouldn't want to stay with him that long either. I mean, you know, you're in your 50s, you want to have your own space and freedom, especially being incarcerated around a bunch of men for 40-some years. I, I feel you. I would want my own space too. Anything else you want to know about me? If there's anything else you would like to share with, with the audience, I mean, this is your story. We listening to you, you know. Oh, yeah, well, I would, I would, I would like to say uh, I come off parole this September, this, this, this year right here. I think I'm going to be released. I'm thinking I am, but well, but leave the people you. here is trying to stop. Well, this is what we're going to do, because they ain't going to stop no show. Make sure when you get off the interview that you send your, your Ophiates number and your full name to my husband, and we can gather some some letters of support, because it's important that you do have letters of support when it comes to parole. And I got a few advocates that could put some support letters behind you coming home because it's important that you have that support. Yeah, people here, I believe, 
okay, the superintendent here is stopping me. Uh, I came up a minimum, and they turned me down for minimum. But everybody signed off on it for me to get it, but the superintendent is hawking. Now, with this minimum custody, I can walk right out the door. By her turning me down for it, it puts me back in prison for at least three years. Okay, well, we're going to get around that. Like I said, just send me okay. your, your information, and I'm going to send it over to the people that I know that actually work with the parole and can get around. I, I We got you. Just send me your information, and we're going to help you get that parole because you've been in there long enough. It ain't no point in them trying to keep you in there no longer. But, yeah, just send me your information. Send me your information, your name, your opiates number, the date you got incarcerated, and the date of your parole hearing so I, we can make sure we got those letters of support and anything else we need to do as far as advocacy to help you come home. Okay. Let me give it to your husband. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your story. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.